Good morning again, and welcome to CCT Live, the Cape Cod Times live Facebook broadcast where we bring you the news of the week. I'm news editor Patrick Cassidy. We come to you every day, every Thursday at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm here with uh, Madeline List, who covers uh, courts and police uh, and fire and does all the morning calls for us, checking on what's going on on the Cape overnight. Today we'll talk about Law Day in the local courts, uh, speaking of courts, as well as a recently filed civil uh, case that has ramifications that go all the way to the White House, really. We'll also talk about other stories that made the news this week and then take a brief look ahead at some stories that are coming up. You can take a look back at all our coverage on all these stories and follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. As always, there's uh, a lot to talk about, so we'll get right into it. Uh, about those uh, abuse allegations and a civil lawsuit that's come out of that that's filed right here in, in Barnstable uh, Superior Court but started uh, really at the White House. Uh, you, you did the reporting on it that's in today's paper, Madeline. What can you tell us? Where did this all start and who's involved? Yes, this lawsuit was filed in April by David Sorensen, who was a speechwriter at the White House. He resigned from his post there on February 9th. This was the same day that an article came out in the Washington Post um, with an interview with his ex-wife, Jessica Corbett, who accused him of abuse during their marriage. Um, that caused him to resign from his post at the White House, but he is now saying that she made up these allegations. He denies everything that she said happened and says that he was the one who suffered abuse during their relationship. And if you can just remind uh, our viewers what the Cape Cod connection is here, I guess, why is he filing it here and why, why do we care? Yeah, um, he's living in Barnstable now, actually, and he spent part of his childhood here. Uh, his grandmother, Judy Sorensen, actually founded the Community of Jesus in Orleans um, back in 1968. So he grew up there until he was 13 and then moved to Barnstable and actually graduated from Barnstable High School. Okay. So where do things stand now, and, and what, what is kind of some of the back and forth? Sorry, you went backwards there before going forwards. Yes, well, um, Corbett had told the Washington Post back in February that during their marriage, Sorensen ran over her foot with a car, burned a cigarette on her hand, and grabbed her menacingly while they were on a boat off the coast of Maine, where they used to live together. Um, he's saying none of those allegations are true. He said that during their marriage, she was the one who actually punched him, hit him on multiple occasions, and um, he's filed this lawsuit now claiming that she defamed him and caused him severe emotional distress, and he's asking for $4 million in damages, also asking for her to write a public statement um, taking back those allegations. And, and is there any response from uh, Ms. Corbett or, or her attorney? Yes. Uh, she has uh, posted a blog kind of talking about her side of the story. Um, she's also said that she stands by everything she said to the Washington Post. Um, her lawyer said that they deny the allegations that Sorensen is putting forward, and he says that they are prepared to defend the truth in court. And, and this is all obviously in the environment and context of you know the hashtag Me Too movement mm -hmm. and and allegations of abuse that you know are across all sorts of sectors and certainly the White House uh, there have been other cases of staff at the White House who have been accused of abuse and obviously allegations that you could call Me Too allegations that mm -hmm. are connected all the way to the president so obviously interesting to have that have such a local connection and with yes. somebody who who grew up here graduated from high school went on and and uh, it was in this position at the white house uh, as as a speechwriter um and and then is now back on the cape and filing this lawsuit here so it's something that we'll we'll be watching going forward in in yes. the courts obviously um 
Moving on to a, a topic that uh, a lot of people have been talking about over the last uh, couple of months and years, you could say, which is traffic on and around the bridges that cross the Cape Cod Canal. Um, in the last month, uh, the Sagamore Bridge had been reduced uh, to two lanes, one going on, one going off. It's usually four lanes uh, for work there to do a, a lot of repairs. They were working on uh, replacing joints in the bridge and repairing corroded steel and concrete. And, and these bridges are go back to the 1930s, is, which is when they were built. Uh, so there's a lot of repair work that goes on. It seems to happen now every year that they have to get out on the bridges and either paint them, the Bourne Bridge or the Sagamore Bridge, or do repair work. And there's been an ongoing conversation about what to do about these old bridges. This most recent stint of work, uh, when we first learned about it uh, a couple months ago, uh, when they said, I think it was maybe even February at that point, where they said, yeah, it's going to be down to two lanes, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 55 days. And when people saw that, uh, they really uh, thought the worst. And, and, and some of them got stuck in this traffic, and it was the, uh, pretty bad for them, up to five-mile backups during the, the month of April. Usually it was around a, a couple miles back to exit two, I think, most of the time. But a lot of people expressed a lot of frustration, including the business community, who saw, um, you know, that that's time is money, and being in the middle of a traffic jam uh, can cost you money. The good news is uh, is that it was uh, scheduled to finish up early, and the Army Corps of Engineers announced, I think, on Monday, they said we'll be done by Friday. It was originally supposed to go to to May twenty fifth. Did you ever get stuck in any of that traffic, Madeline? A little bit, yeah. And and. Frustrating, I assume, for for you, for a lot of travelers trying to get on and off the Cape. They have appointments they're trying to get right. to. I think people complained about, oh, I have a medical appointment in Boston and, and couldn't get there. I know, in addition to you, we had other reporters who were trying to go different places and got stuck in it. Um, and I think you just don't expect it if it's not July or June. You know, you don't it, expect it. Exactly. This is the that. off season during, you know, July, June, Memorial Day. You expect people where if there's a storm, sometimes people will try and leave the Cape and it'll cause pretty big backups. But this was the off season and, and that's why they do it uh, during this time. They don't do it during the summer because they know there's a lot of traffic. But when you pinch that down to two lanes, it's going to cause problems. They tried to mitigate it a little bit by putting in a traffic light at exit one. Um, and a lot of people say that that's, the, that's really one of the problems is you have exit one enter the highway right at the base of the Sagamore Bridge. And that convergence, a lot of people point to and say, well, that's where you get the backup because you have people who don't do kind of the queue properly and people even though you're you're really coming into your own lane there uh, it causes people to slow down and that builds back and back and back so they put in a, a traffic light and I remember coming up to that for the first time at night and and just being kind of I even knew it was there because we had reported that it was going to be there and it was still a little disconcerting to be on route six and hit a red light um, but it, it seemed that that might have worked a little bit. I know after they put that in, kind of the backups were a little more uh, consistent in terms of not being too bad. Um, but in any case, on Monday they said, we're going to be done by Friday. And then I think on Tuesday night or something, uh, they said, actually, we're, we're done. And on the, on the road, that is. They have other work that they have to do and do off the road. But they said they're done. And... Uh, everybody said that's great, but the fact is they have other work coming up on the Bourne Bridge in the fall, um, and it, it, there's this larger question about what to do with the bridges. We've talked about it here already. We're going to be writing about it and reading about it for, for years to come in all, in all likelihood, but these are two old bridges, 
and there's been discussions about putting in a third bridge. There's been discussions about replacing them completely. There's been discussions about doing other different things around the bridges, and a, a group formed, uh, I think, in April when this really started, uh, the Coalition for the Fix, and they were looking at we would need to do a long-term solution. They have uh, a solution in mind that, that addresses some of these, including uh, relocating that uh, exit one uh, C is what it is on ramp onto the highway because they look at that as a possibility. I know I saw some suggestions from people who said you have the red light there, use it as an ex experiment to see what it's like if you take exit 1C away at different times. I think they took the red light down, so I don't think they're going to be doing that uh, for the time being, but it is interesting. And uh, U.S. Uh, Congressman William Keating was in here yesterday, and we were talking to him about a variety of topics, but one of the ones that he kept going back to was the bridges, and he was basically saying we got to keep talking about this, we got to uh, keep working on it, even though this work is over, we can't forget about it, which seems to be what happens is every year you talk about it, it's a problem, there's work, there's a backup, people say we need to get a permanent fix, and then the backups go away, the work's done, and everybody moves on and, and forgets about the fact that this is happening. I'm sure there are people in the transportation sector who say we're working on it all the time, but he did say that they really need to look at this long term. And one of his suggestions, and this is maybe a little breaking news here, was that this born work that's supposed to take place in the fall, pushing it off to another season, um, instead of having these two uh, uh, work periods on the beginning and at the end of the summer season, which you know hits business hard on both ends because our shoulder season is expanding always. Yeah. Um, and you covered business for us a ways back, mm -hmm. and so you know all about the, the business uh, community looking to expand that shoulder season. Um, and he said, why don't you push that off till next year if you can? If the bridge isn't going to fall in, the Bourne Bridge isn't going to fall into the water, let's wait and let's not have it all happen in one year. So we'll see where that goes. Obviously, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has to weigh in. I'm sure the State uh, Department of Transportation has uh, things to say about it as well. Um, another story you covered this week, Madeline, um, a law day. Um, and this has uh, some history in it. You, you went and spoke to some people uh, before going and, and reporting on the day itself. Um, what, what is Law Day, and, and why is it important, and, and what happened on that day? Yes, uh, this year was the 60th anniversary of Law Day, which is May 1st. Um, President Dwight Eisenhower declared May 1st Law Day back in 1958, and it was kind of in response to the Soviet Union, which used May 1st as kind of a day for parades and to show off their military strength. Um, so Wasn't there supposed to be a military parade in the U.S.? <laughs> I, 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 I can't even keep track of where that ended up. I think uh, our president was talking about that, yeah, but I, guess I didn't for now, see it happen. Yeah, for now, we still just have Law Day. Law Day. <laughs> so that's celebrated every year in Barnstable and Orleans district courts. And middle, high school, and elementary school students from across the Cape participate. Um, the younger kids enter posters uh, that kind of depict a different variation on a justice-related theme. And the middle and high school students write essays and submit them into an essay contest. So this year, the theme was the separation of powers. Um, so a lot of the kids did really nice drawings showing you know, the three different branches of government. And um, the middle and high school students wrote um, essays about the separation of powers as well as what each person can do to ensure that their rights are protected. Um, so one of the winning students read her essay to the audience at Barnstable District Court on Tuesday. It was a really nice essay inspired by the students of Parkland, Florida, who've been very politically active after a mass shooting at their school. So she was really inspired by them and the steps they've taken to kind of fight for gun control and bring attention to those issues.
And and that was uh, what one of the judges was saying in your story, which was, you know, the system of checks and balances is important. And she used this analogy of when you cut into a cake that you're separating for different people, you do the, the, the cut and then somebody else chooses which piece goes to who. And she said that's checks and balances. Um, but that's important. But in order to make sure that that's uh, maintained, you have to have an involved citizenry. And that, yeah. that goes to, again, these uh, types of activism uh, that's that's currently going on um, on all sides. And, and again, especially interesting in the current environment where uh, even last night I was listening to um, some pundits talk about this uh, concern about the uh, separation of powers and concern about the checks and balances when it comes to the current uh, federal administration um, making certain decisions as it relates to the Department of Justice and saying, you know, well, historically the Department of Justice has been informally in some ways set aside from from having these ramifications from the executive branch in order to make sure that the Department of Justice can, you know, keep a objective watch on the executive branch as well. Uh, and they, they worry that that's in some danger with some of the statements coming out of the Trump administration. But it's not just the Trump administration. Back when the Obama administration was in place, I know there were concerns on the other side about certain actions that he had taken, including uh, the establishment of a Marine National Monument off Cape Cod. And, and some of the folks who were against that said this is something that Congress should be doing instead of uh, the president reaching into what's known as the Antiquities Act and not to go too far down this road and, and doing it himself. Um, so it's not one uh, party or another or one administration or another. It's more the system that's being talked about here and that, that separation of powers that was part of this uh, discussion. Yeah. So. Yeah, and a lot of people said this was a really timely topic, you know, really connected to current events. So. Absolutely. And and speaking of that, um, judges are, are certainly uh, being scrutinized here locally uh, quite a bit. A, a lot's being scrutinized uh, in the um, aftermath of the killing of uh, Sergeant Sean Gannon uh, from the Yarmouth Police Department. That was on April 12th. He was uh, shot and killed while serving, uh, helping to serve a warrant in Marston's Mills. Um, and again, there's still a lot to come here, and, and it'll dominate our headlines for 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 a long time, um, and and has recently. Um, uh, but one of the things people have been saying is that this system, the justice system, we need to take a look at it and see what's what happened and what went wrong here. Uh, to have this individual who's accused of of uh, shooting and killing uh, Sergeant Cannon and his his dog Nero, who is recovering. Um, uh, and see what went wrong that allowed that individual to be out of jail at the time that this warrant was being served. Um, interestingly enough, today's paper has a story about him being in jail, uh, obviously uh, held without bail on this murder charge, um, and him still getting into trouble in jail. Um, and what uh, happened, according to uh, court uh, correctional officers at the Barnesville County Correctional Facility where he's being held is uh, Thomas Latanowich, who's the uh, the person accused of killing uh, Sergeant Cannon, uh, was in a cell and he uh, shouted out to an individual who was uh, outside of the cell um, and asked him for the name of uh, the daughter of one of the correction officers. Mm -hmm. And that person, his name is Michael Randall Jr. He's a 27-year-old Hyannis resident who was facing firearms charges of his own. Um, uh, basically provided the name of the correction officer's daughter and a uh, correction officer, a shift supervisor overheard the exchange and uh, you know ordered Randall back to, back to his cell 
and according to the report filed by the uh, sheriff's uh, deputies, uh, Randall started yelling and refused to obey the order uh, and then allegedly ran at, at this uh, uh, supervisor and punched him in the side of the head, which landed Randall in court uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, facing a charge of assault and battery on a corrections officer. Um, and it also got Latanowich in trouble. He, he ended up with a disciplinary report being filed against him. Obviously, he wasn't outside. He didn't en engage uh, in this you know, uh, altercation. Um, but it, it seems that his uh, provocation of it, alleged provocation of it, uh, led to this disciplinary report. Randall had his bail, which had been set at uh, $50,000, because he, he wasn't in there on small charges himself. He's somebody who's uh, been repeatedly through the court system and was facing some pretty serious charges uh, having to do with firearms. He was picked up, I think, on April 18th on three counts of possession of a firearm, um, two counts of defacing a firearm, serial number, and three counts of improper storage of a firearm. Um, and so he is, is facing these serious charges, and now he's facing these additional charges of assault and battery on a corrections officer. Um, so even in jail, uh, this guy, Latanowich, who everybody has been focused on because obviously he's being charged with the killing of, of Sean Gannon, um, is, is in trouble again uh, within the confines of the jail. Um, as I said, uh, Sergeant Cannon's death has been dominating our headlines and, and one of the other stories uh, we had in this week's paper and uh, something that we'll have uh, in tomorrow's paper is a, an award that's being uh, given to him posthumously uh, for his uh, activities with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Mm -hmm. He's being given the Big of the Year Award um, uh, tonight uh, in Boston. Uh, the governor's going to be there. Uh, the head of Big Brothers Big Sisters is going to be there. Uh, he was a big brother, uh, I think, for about three years in the program. And uh, his, uh, um, uh, the chief of the Yarmouth Police Department is going to be accepting the award in his honor and talking a little bit about his activities as a mentor. Um, he was part of this uh, big blue, bigs in blue program, which was trying to connect young, young people and police. Um, so that'll be an award ceremony taking place tonight in Boston. Um, and obviously speaks to uh, the other reason why, again, his death had such an effect on the community. A police officer, obviously, you know, a, f a family man who, who had a, a young wife and, and uh, his family is, is from New Bedford and, and a lot of people knew and liked him, but he was also involved in the community. And we had stories uh, that we had, we've already had in the paper about that involvement and about how uh, tightly uh, you know, involved in the community was, and, and certainly this award a lot of people will uh, see as a, a fitting uh, honor for, for somebody who was involved so much. Um, and, and it goes on because I know this weekend as well, uh, there's a, um, uh, an event called the Ruck for Hit. Did you ever cover the Ruck for Hit for us? I didn't, no. It, it's, it's one of those where these people put on a, a lot of uh, weight in their backpacks, uh, it's it's meant to raise money for veterans and, and uh, people in the military, um, and they basically travel from one end of the Cape to the other in a relay, um, and they just hike with, I think, 70 pounds or something in their backpacks, and they do it again to raise money. This year, they're saying that some of that money is going to go to help uh, uh, get a, a new police dog for the Yarmouth Police Department. Uh, Nero, who, who was Sergeant Gannon's dog, as I said, is recovering. Uh, according to Heroes in Transition, who is this group, uh, he, he likely won't return to, to work. And, and again, you can imagine when an animal is shot in the line of duty that it would be difficult to bring him back into 
uh, into work, but um, they say that they're going to raise the money and fully fund the replacement of the, uh, the dog. So that'll be happening starting tomorrow. They'll be traveling from one end of the Cape to the other. I think starting in Bourne and ending in Mashpee, so it's some sort of a circular route that they're doing. Um, and so if you see people out there with backpacks uh, who are hiking along, uh, that's who it is. And, and uh, certainly uh, there's ways to contribute to their cause. Heroesintransition.org is their website. You can go to the uh, Cape Cod Times website for all these stories and, and plenty more. Again, we'll have stories following up on that award tonight. We'll have uh, stories following up on, on the Ruck event. And, and we'll have plenty more in the coming papers. Thanks again for joining us. Tell your friends, thank you, Madeline, for thank joining you. us. Really appreciate it. Uh, share this link. Feel free to reach out to us. All our emails are available at capecodtimes.com. Uh, we're, where news starts on Cape Cod. And until next week, have a good morning and good luck.